0: Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan Practice of Godly Conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me as always is my faithful co-host and sidekick, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey Jeremy. Let's hope I don't knock things down and destroy. If you hear loud noises, Do not worry, everything's okay. It's just Jeremy. (laughs) Before we start into our topic, make sure if you enjoy our podcast, like and rate our podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. helps give us more visibility, and that way we'll be able to corrupt or influence people however you (laughs) see us as whether a corrupting influence or good. And if you enjoy a specific episode... Share it with your friends on Facebook or Twitter. And by the way, we are on Twitter now. If you look for Ordinary Fellowship, you'll find us there. I didn't ask Matthew's permission, so he might punish me later. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. But like us on those and and follow us there. Uh, you'll, You'll be kept up to date with our podcast. Do all that stuff, please, and thank you. So what are we talking about today, Matthew?
1: All right. So let's do some setup before we get into our topic. So, when we're recording this, the last week was the annual convention of the Southern Baptists in Anaheim. We'll probably in a couple next week or the week after we we'll actually have a review episode on the actual convention. But we want to take some time on this episode to talk about a particular issue that arose. So, in the midst of the convention, a question came up about what is a pastor. So if we're gonna be generous and fair with it, the argument goes like this. Is there a difference between the office and function of pastor and the title of pastor? So in other words, how do we define it? Do you have to meet the qualifications in First Timothy three and Titus one of an elder to have the word pastor attached to your name or is simply doing the job enough to get the title kind of like doctor or lawyer where you just get the name there's not necessarily a particular set of qualifications that you have to meet that's being generous and broad with it so that's (laughs) kind of the setup of what's going on so we just want to break it down a little bit and start with a very simple question so jeremy what is a pastor
0: a very simple question.
1: That's Hopefully it will probably take us 35 minutes at least to answer. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the main thing we're trying to right. get, get at, right? What One of the issues is uh, whether you look in our confessions or whether you look in the Bible, there's never a definition of what right. a pastor is. There are descriptions of pastors. There's names of pastors. And so we're deducing from that that What we believe a pastor is. So, just as a reminder, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Baptist Faith and Message, is their confessional statement. Now, confessional in the sense that it describes what Baptists normally believe, or that they believed at the moment that they published this. Um, That's another subject. Yeah, that's another another topic for another day. But uh, the at the very end of the first paragraph and on the church. Baptist Faith and Message says, It's scriptural officers are pastors and deacons. While both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited, limited to men as qualified by scripture. So basically it tells us that there's two offices, right? There's right. the office of pastor and the office of deacon. So two Categories of officials in the church: pastor and deacons. Uh, our church subscribes to a modified version of the Abstract of Principles, and it basically uses says the same thing, except that it uses all three ter- biblical terms for a pastor: so, pastor, elder, and uh, overseer or bishop. And so, I think the best way to think about it is to consider the the terms. That are used uh, for this office of pastor. Um, and the, the terms are pastors, overseers, elders. The elders, elders refers not necessarily to a, a physical age, an actual age, rather it has to do with spiritual maturity. And so when you look at 1 Timothy and you see the qualifications for a pastor, essentially what Paul is saying there. Is that a pastor needs to be a mature Christian, so that the title itself, elder, describes that, but so also does uh, so do the the qualifications, and it need that a pastor needs to be a mature Christian. Then the word overseer or bishop, the idea is that they have oversight; they're spiritual managers, as you were if you would they they have to watch out for people's souls. So in that sense they're they're guardians of people's souls, they're stewards of the oracles of God. So they watch the people, they watch doctrine. This word to me, although the other words imply leadership as well, this one screams loudly that this is a position of leadership. This is a position of some kind of authority uh that we have because they're they're overseeing things they're overseeing the Word of God, they're overseeing the administration of the sacraments they're overseeing the discipline of the church, they're overseeing the lives of of the people in the church, and as the Bible says, they have to give account for those souls, so that that's a very important word, or important description of a pastor. The other word, of course, is pastor, shepherd. It, pastor and shepherd essentially mean the same thing. It comes from the idea of being a shepherd. Now, if you look at the history of Israel, shepherds, while we wouldn't think of a shepherd as someone who is a leader, typically that's how it's viewed in uh, in Israel. The kings were called shepherds, shepherds of the people. So. Uh, shepherds lead a flock. They lead the people of God. So again, there's there's a sense of leadership, and shepherding involves caring for the sheep. Whatever that ca- spiritual care for sure, but because we're body and soul beings, it often it often involves caring for. Both the body and soul—you can't really care for one without caring for the other. So, a pastor does cares for the people, cares for the sheep, especially spiritually, but in whatever way he can as well.
1: Does that yeah, all I think make that, sense? I with, think that that, that helps us. Uh, that helps us understand the words. I think that's a good overview. So now that we kind of have a grasp on just the definition. Let, Let's talk about why there's this discussion of because all of that is rather easily agreed upon. But if, if you hold to scripture as the authority, everybody, for the most part, who holds to scriptures as your authority is going to agree to those terms. The challenge becomes that there are different groups who want to separate that being those definitions would. Be defined as the function of a pastor versus the office or the job. So you see this in a broader sense. We're not really getting into it, but you see it in a broader sense in Presbyterians when you get the difference between teaching elders and ruling elders. But that that's another example. But we're not really going unless Jeremy really wants to go down that rabbit trail. We're not going to. That's another example. But in our context, pick on our own people, right? In so that's a context from outside of ourselves. But for us, you have this group of people who try to separate the function from the office. So what they will say is that you can be a a pastor without necessarily ha- having the function or the responsibility. You just simply have the job, the title. So let's start here and work our way down. <laughs> I think one of the things for us to understand is how did we get here? And I think if we're going to give a really simple answer, we got here through pragmatism. Yes. It, so... There's a couple other things that fit into this, but I think one is pragmatism. So Jeremy, how does pragmatism allow this dichotomy, this separation to happen? So first of all, pragmatism is the
0: idea, as long as it works, it's true. As long as it works, it's okay. And the idea, what happens is that there are people who believe that the Bible doesn't speak clearly about the leadership structure of the church, and so because the Bible doesn't speak clearly on these issues, then we're free to use other sources of wisdom, things like that. And often what happens is we use, end up using business models for how to manage the church. I think the fault is, is that the Bible does give a clear structure of what kind of polity we ought to have. Usually, people who would argue otherwise would say that it's descriptive, not prescriptive i can't but for the life of me, I can't understand why why something so important would be overlooked or neglected by God in telling us to run the household of god so i i don't <laughs> i don't see these passages that speak about the plurality of elders in a local church as being merely descriptive, but as prescriptive for every church. Every church ought to have more than one elder. I think what happens, though, we forget about our history, because a lot of people think having multiple elders is Presbyterian, which isn't. Presbyterians do have elders, but our system is different uh, than Presbyterians, and we're we're not we're not arguing for a Presbyterian form of government, church government at all. So we forget our history, and then it you have to have trained elders, and that can be difficult and take time to do. And so the numbers don't always come. And if you're really wanting to plant churches and plant churches quickly, it's easier to send out one guy and have one guy there than to have multiple elders. The work can be done more efficiently, maybe more quickly. I don't want to give evil motives to people in the past that pushed this kind of thing. But then it started becoming a tradition where we have a single pastor. And none of... <laughs> And then the larger churches, of course, you can't have just a single pastor because he's not capable of doing that. So then he becomes like the CEO, you have multiple pastors, multiple things that they're doing. And they've already departed from the scriptural teaching by not having multiple elders and and functioning that way. And now they're now they're just going further afield from that. I, I think what we really need to do is get back to what scripture teaches. That churches ought to have a plurality of elders. That's multiple elders in a local church who pastor the church. They may not all preach or teach frequently. You may have a single pastor who does more of the preaching. You may only have one pastor who um, who is a, has a paid position. But I, I think, number one, we need to get back to that. We need to get back to the, get back to the Bible, and be, be rooted in Scripture rather than looking for ideas about how to govern the church from a worldly perspective, from looking at corporations. That has, I think, caused so many issues and problems. It, it, we're, what we're doing is we're we're neglecting biblical categories and saying those don't really matter, and then we find out and so we call them something different, we confuse categories, and make a mess of things. So I don't think this would solve all the problems to get back to the biblical and historical view among Baptists of the multiplicity of elders, but it would go a long way in helping. <laughs> yeah. Even even if it doesn't solve the issue, it would go a long way in
1: helping. Right. So, as, we, as you just talked about how we misdefine terms and put stuff in different categories, the second part I want, thing I want to raise, and as we walk through this is how do we get here, is so you have the pragmatism, which Jeremy just talked about, but then in miscategories what you see happen is instead of having a plurality of elders, we miscategorize deacons, and we turn deacons into a hybrid elder-like, thing that, so we give deacons the responsibility of elders without giving them the title of elders, and now we've confused the offices, (laughs) and so you either, and so what ends up happening is that you have the deacon board that functions as the controlling body of the church, and so the elder, the, the pastor, the paid, the paid minister, the paid pastor, the paid elder isn't Having control because he has to answer to this deacon board when that's outside the way the Bible works, or you have the pastor working with the deacon board, and so there's no one doing the work, and so you just get all a jumbled mess of confusion. Yeah.
0: Well, you can have you know this from personal experience. What happens if if you have the single pastor? I mean, it could hypothetically work and work well. Right. Okay. There are churches that it works well in. That doesn't. That doesn't mean it's okay because ultimately it's contrary to what Scripture teaches. But it's possible that you could have a good pastor who's a single pastor, um, and things go well, right? Right. But it's also highly possible that he could come, become a spiritual tyrant, right? Um, and his, and then his word is the final authority because. The Bible does truly say the elders slash pastor are the leaders of the church, right? Right. So they have they are, in, in some sense, the authority. So the churches that have the pastor as the single leader, they're right in the sense that the pastor does have authority, okay? They're not like the churches that give the deacons the authority, which there's no scriptural support whatsoever for deacons having authority um, they're they're merely ministers, they're servants uh, they serve the church, not the pastor but so both these things are wrong to give authority to deacons who aren't biblically called to that and take away the authority from the, the pastors but it's not okay to have a pastor with all the authority either. We know how that works politically it can work the same spiritually so we need there needs to be a multiplicity of elders who lead the church they they have authority i'm not here to define how that authority works out in each specific location but i'm trying to say they have some authority and and the deacons are the servants of the church right
1: and and that's the biblical model for church government exactly so now let's talk about a little bit more how this dispute has arisen in the SBC. So I read a thing on Twitter, and I think it's a good way to add, to posit this question. If you call somebody a student pastor, should he be an elder? What do you mean by student pastor? So, the, so if you call the guy who works with the youth, the youth guy, you call him the youth pastor, the student pastor, whatever, does that by definition require him to be an elder? <laughs> well... Uh, yes, I think it does. So would I. That, and so, and so, before we talk about why that right there, that question, that's the crux of what's going on. Is you have churches who say, "Well, he's we're calling him the student pastor, but we don't think he's an elder." So he doesn't. We're not calling him an elder. We're not giving him the responsibility of elder, but yet we're going to call him a student pastor because he's leading. He's over a group of people. And well,
0: he is being given the. Even if they say he's not being given the duties of an elder, he is. Well, I understand he may not have those duties over the entire church. His his position may be only a certain segment of the church, but he's still he's performing the function of a pastor, elder, or an overseer. It may only be for part of the church, right? But he he is performing that function, and if he doesn't meet the qualifications for an elder, he shouldn't be a student pastor. Right. So I I don't see any reason why you wouldn't have this if he's a student pastor, if you're going to give him that title, then he should have
1: he should be he he should be that and not just pretend. Exactly. So that's what I think. Another example of where the pragmatism has come in, we call guys student, pa- we call guys student pastor, we call them worship pastor, we call them whatever pastor, and we designate them to a role, and somehow in designating them to this role, we don't necessarily think that they have to reach the qualifications or meet the qualifications of elder, so we create this divide that I don't think you can create in scripture, which gets to a point we'll finish with in a little bit. But... Right, but here's
0: the thing, okay? You don't necessarily have to give somebody the title. You know, you can call someone the worship leader, okay? Right. Um, without making them a pastor, but the titles matter, right? Uh, not, not in the way like you know you got to bow down and exactly they're that important. But name what you call things matters, okay? If we call someone a worship leader, that's fine. But the reality is they ought to stu- if you're going to put somebody up there representing the church bringing the people before God then they ought to have the qualifications of an elder even if they aren't even if they don't have the role as an elder uh they ought to be mature christians maybe not all the qualifications cuz it's debatable whether a woman can be the worship leader we're not going to get into that discussion today, but just for the sake of an argument, right. a woman could be a worship leader, and in that case she would have to meet all the qualifications except the obvious ones that are are not—she um, wouldn't have to be the husband of one wife in that case, if you do agree that it would be okay for a woman to be a worship leader. You don't have to give them that title, but that that title means something and to call someone a pastor and then to say they're they're not <laughs> they're a pastor but they're not really you, the name is lying then right F- find a name that accurately portrays what they're actually doing rather than play around with the name cuz the reality is whatever god calls something that's what it is when god defines it that's what it is And while we don't have a specific definition of a a pastor in Scripture, there's enough in Scripture that we know what a pastor is, and we know what God calls, then we know what God calls a pastor. If they're not doing that, if you don't want them to, if they're not elders, then don't call them a pastor. Right. Call call them a youth leader, call them a student
1: leader, whatever you want to call them, but don't... This name means something. Exactly. And I think that's why I think one of the things we should think about is, so as an example, Dever's Church, Capital. Hill, I know there's other churches. I just know this by example. They don't, like, segment. You either So Mark's the senior pastor, and everybody else is either the associate pastor or the assistant. They have different responsibilities, but you either a pastor or you're not. And I think Moeller's made the same comment. I think that's one thing where we have to understand. This is an... That whole conversation we just had is another place where pragmatism has shown up. We try to segment and we don't necessarily reach to this point, which leads to this last thing that I think is the philosophical problem of pragmatism, how it rears its head. How do we determine if someone is a pastor? So... We talked about this a little bit before in other other episodes when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, but just for the little bit of time we've got left, I I think one of the challenges we have to get is a pastor is not necessarily determined by an internal calling. Just because I have a feeling doesn't mean that now I'm a pastor, because that's one of the arguments when you see these churches that want to split the roles, specifically you have women who say, well, they feel called to be a pastor. They have the calling. Well, does calling matter more than what it says in First Timothy 3 and Titus 1? So in other words, what's more important in the determinate, determining of a pastor? Is it an internal call or is it the meeting of the qualifications, which in the meeting of the qualifications, you have both an internal and an external call in the sense that the church recognizes the gift and then appoints them to the position because they meet the qualifications. And I think that's another piece that we have to kind of think through. So, Jamie, you have anything you want to add on
0: this? So, I don't believe in the internal call, okay? The majority of Southern Baptists do, even if you do believe in... in, So, obviously, you know my answer. I don't believe in an internal call. (laughs) There's an external call. If there's an... Internal call—it's the internal call—in the sense—is it something I want to do? Right. Is it something I'm gifted to do? In assessing your own yourself that way, that I have no problem with. But even if you believe in an internal call, the usual way of understanding it is that there's both an internal and external call. One of them doesn't trump the other. If you have the so. If you have the internal call, but you have no external call, in other words, the church hasn't recognized you as meeting the qualifications, then you're not a pastor, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if you call yourself one and get yourself on the on the radio or on TV and go around telling everybody you are a pastor. If, it, if a church hasn't recognized that, then you're... You can call yourself that, I guess. But, um, anyways, we'll leave that go. But the external call is equally important. Okay, you have to have the external call. Is what what I'm trying to say, and neither one trumps the other. So, if you have no internal call in in this view, right? I don't believe in an internal call. You shouldn't. You s- shouldn't probably serve even if you have an external call. If if that could possibility even exists, but so many people today put their subjective experience above what everybody else says. I've I've heard it so many times. I know that God called me. I don't care what any man says. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Baptists have taught and believed throughout history. We we have always believed that this internal call has to be met with the external call. The church has to recognize these gifts and set you apart for that. You're not a self-appointed pastor any more than you could be a self-appointed prophet or a self-appointed king or self-appointed priest. You don't appoint yourself to that. The church is part of recognizing this. And it so easy for people today to just throw that off and and act as if the church is in opposition to God when maybe instead of assuming that the church is acting in opposition to God maybe assume that the people of the church are also led by the Holy Spirit and they see some things that you don't maybe you ought to give some consideration to what they're saying rather than just throwing it off and trusting a subjective feeling that may just be because you had some bad Chinese food the night before. And, and this is, and I really think this is one of the things that's led to women being called as pastor, that the internal call, mm-hmm. the, the internal desire supersedes anything that anybody will say. When I've talked to people about women being pastors, that's always what it comes down to. If God calls me, who are you to tell me no? Well, I personally am a no and am nobody. But if the church <laughs> refuses to recognize it, which they should according to Scripture, then uh, you you shouldn't be authorized. And that, that it's not just women, but men too. Not not every man who wants to be a pastor ought to be uh, set aside to be a pastor. And and the church is one of the one of the guardrails that God has ordained to keep that from happening. He warned Timothy um, not to lay hands on anybody too quickly. We need to thoughtfully consider people who are candidates for ministry and whether they or not they ought to be pastors. And that's part of the role of the church. The idea that somebody would just ignore what the church says to you on that is is beyond me. So, and unfortunately today, you know, if you're if your church won't ordain you, you can go find somebody else who will. And you can do it online for free if you want and tell people you're a minister of the gospel. You know, there there's sadly loopholes because there are churches that whose standards are low or who don't uphold what the Bible teaches and will Give a certificate of ordination to basically anybody who asks. So, if you're serious about submitting to God, there's a need to submit to your church in some in some sense. So,
1: right? Does that all make sense? Does it, that fit? It with does what make you're sense. About? It does make sense. I think it's why a few a few points. One, it's why it's vitally important for every believer to be in an in person worship gathering church group a community of believers so you can't get i think one of the things that happens is you get this pragmatism you give people who are detached from a body and then they get this feeling and they they justify the feeling or they confirm the feeling in themselves and they're not around anybody else to go but wait a minute that's not what needs to happen and so you, I think that's why it's important to be in a community of believers daily, weekly, gathering week after week, month after month, allowing your life to rub up against their life so they can see you. And then if you meet the qualifications, they can see. I think the other piece is it's the challenge. One of the things for us to think through is if you look through the qualifications – Almost all the qualifications are things that are called not just to guys who want to be pastors, but to Christians in general. Those other than maybe apt to teach. Apt to teach is the one qualification that separates an elder from what Paul and other places calls every single Christian to be, what Jesus calls every single Christian to be. So there's this striving that we should be doing rather than thinking that we need to seek leadership or seek power or seek control or be, to be, want to be the guy that we should just be striving to allow our lives to look more like Jesus and as that happens then God in his wisdom, in his way will raise up leaders who he gifts to lead the church and that we don't have to kind of in lack of a better way of saying it, help God out and say I'm going to be the guy in charge and then the third thing caveat is while Jeremy, Jeremy and I both ultimately, fundamentally believe the role of office is for men only. That doesn't mean that we're trying to say that women have no mission in the church. There is, there is much work for women to do. There is much teaching women can do to other women, to kids, who they can share what their experience. There is many things women can do what we're saying is is that ultimately to be a pastor you have to meet the qualifications of a pastor in first Timothy three and Titus one and therefore because what the Bible says no matter what feeling a woman might have or some men might have that's mm-hmm. not enough the qualifications have to be met because ultimately God says in First Corinthians that he's a god of order he do everything decently in order he, he's given us an order and a pattern and we are unwise when we choose to not follow that pattern and to rather choose to use earthly wisdom to supersede what God has said, and we think that we're going to get a good result. And I think part of the issue what we're seeing is that's what's happened. We've decided that we know better than God, and we don't have to necessarily follow the pattern because, because it might not be exactly what we want, and so we're just going to clarify God for him. So, any other final thoughts on what is a pastor?
0: Yeah, I think after all we said to sum it up, I'd like to attempt <laughs> to give a definition of of a pastor. Okay, and somebody may quibble that it's a description rather than definition. I, I that doesn't matter to me. But so a pastor is is a leader of the church who's a mature Christian who oversees the lives and souls of the people under his care as he's been appointed by the Holy Spirit and set aside by the church. His primary duties are to preach the word, to administer the sacraments, and to pray. I think that tells us what a pastor is. Did I miss anything in that definition, Matthew?
1: Maybe administrative. Okay, to organize the church other than that no so we'll we'll add that in there as well so in closing as jeremy said earlier definitions matter may we with full vibrancy of heart proclaim those men that god has raised up as pastors may we honor them and follow them because god has given them to us to accomplish his good both for us and for the churches in pla- where he has placed us. And may we affirm those who haven't been called pastors as the godly ministers and assistants and helpers, but never confuse the two. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and your even that dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship or Twitter at Ordinary Fellowship. And like, subscribe, and rate this podcast in whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we want to thank you once again for listening to Ordinary Fellowship where we're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.